Cutting through an overload of information to get to the heart of the story. This is The Point. China released a white paper titled The Taiwan Question and China's Reunification in a New Era. It underscored China's commitment to resolving the Taiwan question and realizing China's complete reunification. It also called the Go a shared aspiration of all the sons and daughters of the Chinese nation. What will be the answer to the Taiwan question? What is the root cause of the heightening tensions in the strait? And why don't people in the West understand China's strong reaction to U.S. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's visit in the island? I'm pleased to be joined from Taipei by Ms. Hong Chiu Chu, former leader of the Chinese Kuomintang Party and chairperson of the Chinese Sayangese Peace Education Foundation. Ms. Hong, thank you very much for joining us. How do you look at the mid and long term mm -hmm. impact of Nancy Pelosi's visit to Taiwan? Some say the event will accelerate the reunification of China. What is your take on this? 当然，关于这个佩洛西来到台湾呢，掀起了一阵这个旋风也好，这个恶风也好，那么他后续的一些影。Well, Pelosi's visit in Taiwan has set off a whirlwind. It could bring thunder and storm, and it could take quite some time to observe its subsequent impact. But in the short term, it has really muddled the water and sparked a crisis in the Taiwan Strait. And it's because of her trip that prompted the Chinese People's Liberation Army to conduct drills in the region. Apart from that, we've also seen suspension measures concerning Taiwan's agricultural, fishery, foods and construction industries, which will hit Taiwan pretty badly. And inevitably, the local people will suffer from psychological traumas. These are the short-term impacts. In long term, we believe that the Chinese mainland will step up military, economic and diplomatic efforts to suppress secessionists and the contacts between separatists with external forces. Of course, we trust that the mainland will continue to implement policies to benefit Taiwan people. However, the mainland will take tougher actions to counter efforts by the Democratic Progressive Party to seek American support for independence and moves taken by the U.S. to contain China using Taiwan. This is what we believe will happen in the future. But we're not sure if Pelosi's visit will accelerate the reunification of China. We know that it indeed has angered 1.4 billion people on the mainland. We can understand the discontent of our mainland compatriots about the situation as a result of Pelosi's visit. And I believe the authorities will have to take public sentiment seriously. The mainland will undoubtedly shift efforts from fighting independence to boosting reunification in an enhanced manner.
However, the G7 bloc, together with the High Representative of the European Union, released a joint statement on August the 3rd. It says, quote-unquote, there is no justification to use a visit as a pretext for aggressive military activity in the Taiwan Strait. It also warns Chinese mainland not to unilaterally change the status quo by force in the region. What's your response to this rhetoric? And the statement also says there is no change in the respective One China policies comma, where applicable, comma, and basic positions on Taiwan of the G7 members. What does it mean, this where applicable? Are these countries flip-flopping on their stances? To answer your question, for every effect, there's a cause. The G7 has long been a U.S.-led political and economic alliance. Except Japan, the rest are also members of NATO. There's no surprise that they are speaking up for the United States, as they are a group, a political-economic gang. They do not reflect on the eastern expansion of NATO, which is the root cause of the war in Ukraine. They don't examine themselves, nor feel ashamed of their mistakes. They always point fingers at others and walk away scot-free. From the Russian-Ukraine conflict to the current tension in the Taiwan Strait, their behavior is consistent and clear. As for who has unilaterally changed the status quo in the Taiwan Strait, have you noticed that after coming into power, the DPP has discarded the 1992 consensus, saying that the two sides of the strait are not subordinated to each other? The United States pays lip service to its one-China policy, while in essence has been undermining it. Any country will fight back when their sovereignty is infringed upon. Instead of condemning the perpetrators and troublemakers, the G7 has confounded black and white cause and effect. This reflects the selfishness of G7. What's more, the G7 has been dictating world affairs. That's not just from us Chinese, but from an international relations expert from Singapore. With their economic advantages accumulated over the years, they condescend to the rest of the world. The trumpet slogans of freedom and human rights and their unchanged stance on one China, while denouncing others for defending sovereignty. Haven't they gone a bit nuts?
A Taiwan media conducted an online poll and it showed that almost 60% of Taiwan people are not confident in the U.S. determination on preserving the so-called democracy in Taiwan, while only 10% of the respondents believe the opposite. How do you interpret this result and uh, how is this representative of Taiwan people's sentiments? The poll could only be regarded as a reference. But the result did show that Taiwan people are not stupid. We can tell that the DPP has run out of steam in its tricks to cling to the U.S. to seek independence and confronting China to defend Taiwan. Multiple reports have said that the Taiwan authorities, the DPP, has actually been paying for American lobbyists for continuously lobbying U.S. politicians, uh, including Speaker Nancy Pelosi, for them to come and visit Taiwan and uh, beef up the kind of relationship between the United States and the island. And it's allegedly the authorities are spending up to millions of U.S. dollars in doing exactly that. So what kind of role has the authorities on Taiwan, the Democratic Progressive Party, been playing on Pelosi's visit to Taiwan? What do they want to achieve behind these uh, surface? I got some materials on this and let me share with you. It says DPP has been lobbying Pelosi via public relations agencies since 2018. How much did they pay in total? 3,149,377 dollars, about 94 million new Taiwan dollars. The authorities said it's not a big deal. The Taiwan representative office in the U.S. has been influencing U.S. politicians through PR companies. It's a routine practice, they say. But some netizens found on the official website of U.S. Department of Justice that from February 2018 to April this year, 16 engagements were made with Pelosi. 16! And more than 3 million U.S. dollars were paid for such efforts. An additional 22,000 U.S. dollars was paid monthly to the PR company. Of course, the authorities denied they bought the visit. Really, they know what the truth is. If they spend this money for the good of Taiwan, we can't complain. Nobody can say anything. But did Pelosi come to bring benefit to the Taiwan people? What did she say? She said her visit was to reaffirm their support for the island and promote our common interest. But from what I shared with you just now, she came for her self-interest and American interest. Where is our common interest? It is but a political farce financed by the DPP using taxpayers' money.
演的一场政治大戏而已。所以刚才您特别强调说，民进党到底是个居心何在？我们认为民进党是。You just asked about the DPP's motivation. We think that they seek to use Pelosi's visit to escalate tensions in the Strait in their grand scheme of colluding with the U.S. to counter China and confronting China to defend Taiwan. Tsai Ing-wen attempts to consolidate her rule and win votes. Her intention is naked in the eyes of Taiwan people. They know she wants to create the impression that the U.S. has our back. If the mainland protests, she could act further. The DPP could then capitalize on a sense of victimhood, saying the DPP will defend Taiwan. They're using this tactic to deceive the people. But I believe the tactic has fallen apart, especially after the disclosure of the PR payments. I'm not sure for what exactly Pelosi came to Taiwan. The U.S. is, in essence, overturning its one-China policy. All this makes us very angry. 公关公司所公布出来的这个价码的问题，我不知道佩洛西这次来台到底是所谓何来？美国是也变相的在利用各种方式来掏空这个中国的一个内涵，这是我们非常气愤的一件事。We all enter this world with a universal greeting. We then learn to speak. Though our languages, cultures, and traditions may differ, we still share one thing in common: we have hope for humanity and the world. General Railway Company Deutsche. Hear the difference. Join our global network to connect with the world. Dunhuang. Situated along the ancient Silk Road, where fine arts and divine beliefs merged with the natural world, it's where the East and West interacted, and where the world's largest Buddhist art gallery still fascinates and amazes people today. A place where stories of life and death, love and hatred, passion and desire. Faith and sacrifice have been generated and told for two thousand years. Buckle up for our new podcast, Why We Love Dunhuang, the one and only podcast that can take you to the fantasy world of Dunhuang and beyond through our audio tour. Listen and subscribe for free on major podcast platforms. Why we love Dunhuang? You will have your answers. Making room for all opinions and seeing events from more than one side. This is the point. A lot of people in the West don't seem to understand why China has reacted so strongly to Pelosi's visit to Taiwan. What would you say to them to help them understand? Actually, I first want to emphasize that this because one rule is First, I have to stress that whenever China establishes diplomatic relations with other countries, the One China principle must be clearly stated in the joint communiques. In the Ma Yingjiu era, although the One China principle was interpreted differently, the 1992 consensus opened a golden age of communication, cooperation, and development across the Strait. It was clear to everyone. 
我觉得这是大家有目共睹的事情。不管怎么样，这两岸都是中国人，我们认为一个中国。No matter what, people on both sides of the strait are all Chinese. We believe there's only one China. When foreign forces infringe upon our sovereignty, we must defend ourselves as one, contain the secessionists, and inhibit the harm they cause. It's a bottom line and a red line that must not be crossed. This is the first thing that had to be clarified. This is also a line that cannot be crossed. I think this is what we must clarify. 那么，另外，您刚才问到为什么外国人会对 As to why many people in the West don't understand China's strong reaction to Pelosi's trip, I think the reason is we, the Chinese, are too far away from them. They don't know or understand much about China. I can speak from several aspects. 从几个方面来讲，第一个，我们从文化方面，西方一直以来。都是扩张主义者啊，都是扩张主义者。我们翻开整个历史来看 ，First, the West has always been expansionist in nature. Quite frankly, their civilization has been a history of colonization. They believe what they advocate are universal values. 就是一个普世的价值。可是，在中国，我们不是认为这样。我们不认为我们的主张是普世的价值。But we Chinese don't see it that way. We don't see our values as fit for all. The great majority of Chinese are ethnic Han people who have been settled farmers. We diligently hold on to our land instead of exercising aggression and expansion. Westerners have no idea about the history of the Taiwan question. To put it bluntly, they measure the stature of great men by the yardstick of small men. They think Taiwan is the victim of the mainland's invasion and expansion, but they don't understand it's China's internal affairs. From a historical perspective, the West has dominated modern history. They believe that everything they represent is modern and superior. If we look at the history of human civilization, the Western civilization took over the East 200 years ago after the Industrial Revolution. Prior to that, it's well known that China had long been the center of world trade, and during the Tang, Song, and Ming dynasties, we were far ahead of the West. The West always believed whatever they do, the Chinese should accept. We hope the West can get over their centuries-old sense of superiority and pride, and treat China equally. Let's respect each other, communicate, and interact with each other. I believe this will benefit the world.
You said in a recent article that the United States cannot face the fact that in the past, when the Chinese Kuomintang Party was ruling, there were peace and stability across the Taiwan Strait and uh, multiple political trust, a mutual political trust based on the 1992 consensus. Now, the DPP, the ruling party on the island, refuses to recognize the consensus and the United States is deliberately sowing discord across the strait in order to consolidate its own hegemony. What is the root cause of uh, heightening tensions in the Taiwan Strait? I'd like to mention three aspects. First, the Green Camp, or Democratic Progress Party, won the 2016 elections and has since grown in strength. The Taiwan independence attempt reared its ugly head with the DPP refusing to recognize the 1992 consensus that there's only one China. Through a series of manipulations such as advocating so-called confronting China to defend Taiwan, the DPP has gained much ground and rejoices this toxic formula. They have managed to break off the official contacts between mainland and Taiwan. This is my first point. Secondly, the Blue Camp, or the Kuomintang Party, should also take some blame. We have seemed to distance ourselves from the 1992 consensus. We became ambiguous in our stance and failed to play our role as a counterweight against the secessionists. It's very regrettable. Third, the U.S. wants to play the Taiwan card to maintain its hegemony. Under the strategy of weaponizing Taiwan against China, the U.S. ostensibly adheres to the One China principle, but in effect, emboldens Taiwan independence. They have essentially eroded the One China policy, which is a despicable act. Taiwan is now in predicament where it has lost its say in cross-strait relations. The DPP severed communication with the mainland. Taiwan's defense is controlled by the U.S. Taiwan's fate completely depends on the relationship between the mainland and the U.S. All this resulted from the DPP's misguided policies for which they must be held accountable. News in Taiwan have created a sort of echo chamber, and the Taiwan people, especially younger generations, don't seem to have a very high sense of belonging to the mainland. Uh, that is the result of a few surveys we've seen. Knowing that, uh, why are you still so confident in the eventuality of national reunification? It really saddens me to answer this question. As you just mentioned, opinion polls show that young people don't relate to the mainland. This happened for a reason. For over two decades, Taiwan authorities have been tempering with education policies, especially on textbooks and curricular, to sever the historical roots and cultural bond linking Taiwan and the mainland. 
young people have been gradually losing their Chinese identity. They don't have a strong sense of attachment to the mainland as we did. They no longer regard themselves as Chinese. They think Taiwan and China are separate, and that there's one country on each side. This largely resulted from changes in the education process. We feel very sad, and yet we're not disheartened and will not give up. Why? I have told university students that when the mainland becomes stronger, Taiwan will have more confidence in the mainland. I believe every hopes to have a bright future. A stronger mainland will be more attractive to Taiwan. The mainland and Taiwan are so close to each other; our historical bond can be broken. It's an undeniable fact that we are brothers and sisters. As the mainland becomes more prosperous, its magnetic field will grow. Young people will change their mind about the mainland, since they would all hope for a bigger platform to realize their dreams and build their future. That's why I'm so confident about China's reunification. I believe it's a trend that's inevitable and inexorable. I was born and raised in Taiwan. I have great confidence in China's rights, as we've been seeing it with our own eyes. We strongly believe that the 21st century belongs to the Chinese. When the flowers bloom, the butterflies will gather. When you become strong, everyone will be attracted. Not to mention the fact that we Chinese people have the wisdom. When time is ripe, reunification will fall into place. This is one of the main reasons why I'm so confident. Many thanks to Ms. Hong Xiaochu, former leader of the Chinese Kuomintang Party and chairperson of the Chinese Cyan Geese Peace Education Foundation, joining me from Taipei. With that, we come to the end of this edition of The Point with me, Liu Xin. As always, you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter using the handle Liu Xin in Beijing. You've got the point. Welcome to My Stories of Chinese Characters, Season Two. I'm Uncle Hansi. This season, we will travel to different destinations and experience the different sceneries throughout the year. This season, we will taste delicious foods. Delicious, how sure? Feel the delicacy of Chinese silk. Uh, some people say that this is the world's first computer because each one of these is an instruction. And enjoy the local architectures. Yes, it's a big house. Chinese Guozhou. We will feel a sense of camaraderie on the slow train. And feel the excitement of the snowfields. Yes! 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 I'm Uncle Han Zi. This season, we will take you to see a different China from the perspective of Chinese characters. Meet us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and other major podcast platforms. <laughs>